Hey, listeners, before we get started, if you're enjoying these episodes, you can actually check them out on YouTube in full video. You can just search Honest Ecommerce and you'll get pulled right to our channel. Make sure you subscribe and ring the bell for all the updates. Pressure is a privilege, and I'm very, very privileged. Welcome to Honest Ecommerce, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer, and I believe running a direct to consumer brand does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. On this podcast, we interview founders and experts who are putting in the work and creating real results. I also share my own insights from running our top Shopify consultancy, Electric Eye. We cut the fluff in favor of facts to help you grow your e-commerce business. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honest E-Commerce. Today, I've got a really interesting interview for you. Uh, normally, we're talking with founders that you know run through the startup phase of their business. But today, we're talking to a second-generation entrepreneur. Uh, this is their 50th year in business. We're talking to the chairman of American Hat Makers, Garth Watrous. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, man. This is exciting. Uh, I'm excited. So where where does your story begin in the hat making game? God. So yeah, as you can see, I don't even have one on, um, but I've got a lot here and samples. Uh, so my so father started this back in the 70s. Uh, I was born in 75. So clearly it was started before uh, I was alive. And, you know, there's pictures of me, two, three years old, in the booth, on the road, doing shows with dad. Um, the first time I was 15, first time I did a show by myself, I hired my brother uh, he, to drive me, older brother. He took half of the money, the, the commission for doing the show. Uh, I, I fired him shortly after. Uh, and at 16, I was driving around this country with, uh, four or 500 hats in the back of a van, setting up a booth, doing uh, festivals. So, uh, what was that? 1990. Absolutely. And, and so the way to scale the business, the way to sell the products back in the nineties was completely different than what you guys are doing now. Obviously, I don't want to jump 30 years in history. Um, but do you remember what was going on with the business when, uh, you know, this the whole internet thing happened and and, and what you guys yeah. thought about it back then? Well, so, you know, I will touch on this because anybody that's been around this long, I think can identify here that, you know, we'll fast forward 30 years here in a second, uh, but I'm going to use it as the, the example to compare it to back then was that our roots are based on direct to consumer, but it wasn't direct to consumer on the internet. It was direct to consumer in person. Mm -hmm. So we had, traveled this country for 500,000 hats in a vehicle. We had set up a booth for three days, you know, talked to thousands of people trying to sell them hats. Not undifferent, really. If you think about it, fast forward to today, we do the same premise. And so when COVID happened and we really had to like rethink and reshift the business model and where we were going to commit to the next like 50 years, we I actually sat there and used the the example in my own head and really compared it to like, man, direct to consumer has really, really worked for us. I have to learn how to do that today under this new pretense or this new this uh, new opportunity, but the actual root of the the behavior isn't any different. And so 
kind of a fun fact. No, I've never heard anyone else talk about it like that. We are a unique business where, you know, we started with direct and consumer. You know, we've been a manufacturer the whole time. We've then converted to B2B premise. Um, and then, of course, now we're, we're a modified of all of it. Um, predominantly, we can get into all the numbers later. But the, so to answer your direct question, like, you know, um, where were we? What was happening when the internet was coming around? You know, I, I use an example of uh, one of my friends, his parent in, in the hat game. Uh, his dad and my dad were both very ahead of their time. My dad was producing websites like in those first couple of years. We're from Silicon Valley. So, you know, he even, you know, I think he had what, like an, what was it called? Like an iMac 2 or some some uh, colored, you know, um, yeah. you know, uh, I don't even, I'm not an Apple guy, so I'm probably butchering the whole thing, but, um, but my dad was super ahead of his time. And so we were creating some really cool websites, but the funny thing is, so he'd create this website and then he would go do a show. He'd come back, manufacture some hats, go do a show. And then, you know, in his spare time in the evening or whatever, he would, you know, work on these websites and, you know, so that was my dad's example. But the the friend of mine, his dad, figured out that if I created a website, but then I did internet marketing, it actually could be a business. And I just watched the evolution of how he performed with the internet marketing side, you know, not the field of dream style, where if you build a website, they will come. He yeah. actually did internet marketing where we didn't. You know, so for 25 years, we built many, many websites, but never did any internet marketing, zero besides maybe an email, right? Which mm -hmm. to, to me is not quite internet marketing. Um, so now today, fast forward, literally, as I sit here and I, and I analyze the metrics on SEM Rush and such, I'm comparing us to them because they're still around and I'm looking at like how hard it is for us today to now go try to get market share from these competitors and being one of them. So anyways, it's a uh, full circle. We are direct consumer at our core. Uh, the only difference is we use the internet now. Absolutely. So uh, you kind of teed me up for my next question is, so you said over the course of the last 20 years or so, you've had various forms of websites and none of them really seem to work. What changed? Because it obviously is working now. Well, I, I, you know, I think the premise is is that without traffic, none of it works, right? Like the, you can't you can't sell anything if you don't have people, right? Yeah. And so, you know, it was like in the early days of social, and if you built a Facebook page and you threw a post up, you would get a like a bunch of traction. But as soon the algorithm changed, and all of a sudden that wasn't the case anymore. Well, the same thing happened with websites early on. It was like we would pass our cards out at the show, but it was pretty obvious you would you would run out of friends and family, and you know no longer be able to sell on, on online. But so I think the first and foremost, which is kind of a given, but we kind of laugh at it because we were you know back in the day we we had zero uh, traffic. Um, so traffic's number one. I think that's what's changed today. But technology has changed immensely too, um, you know. And we've been on almost you name it. If it's if it's uh, Magenta, Big Commerce, WordPress, we've had them all over the years. And and um, you know, we drank the Kool Aid with Shopify. They've they've made it pretty easy um, for for a company our size that we don't have developers in house. We don't have the the resources or the manpower to be able to constantly be editing a site. 
Um, you know, it comes back with its drawbacks and it's clearly has, you know, the company has scaled probably faster than they uh, can support. And we can get into that if, if you want my honest opinion. But the, the fact is, it's been game changing for me because I can now operate a pretty nice website at a reasonable rate. Um, but yeah, uh, the biggest difference today is, is clearly being willing to invest in uh, online marketing uh, to acquire traffic. Absolutely. And you said something earlier, the, the, the field of dreams model of a website, which I, I yeah. thought was funny because we always... It's, it's like one of the first questions that I ask people uh, when they work with us. And it, they're like, all right, we want to do a really, really awesome website, you know, make it really cool, unique, fast, you know, whatever buzzword they want to throw at it. And I'm like, that's great. We can do that. We're like, how are we getting people to see this thing? Yeah. Like, what's the plan after that? So it's like, you know, a, a very easy way to think about it is like, you could build the best physical retail store ever. Yeah. But if it's out in the middle of the country with no directions to get to it, who's going to visit that thing? Yeah, you, you're building it in a town of 10,000 people and maybe, you know, 67 of them actually like your product. It's been very hard for you to maintain, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Or scale, let's call it. Um, and, you know, today, like, you, you want to get like, let's get into the fun stuff. Okay, paid, right? So what, what we're finding on the paid side, and you know, we leaned into it heavy after COVID. Um, it's pretty hard to be profitable on the front end. Uh, you know, it's tough, tough manufacturing in America, you got tough margins. Um, you know, I'm willing to break even on the front, push, push, push as hard as I want. But then I learned, right? It's just, do I have everything else in play? Right? Do I have all of the the retargeting, customer retention? What's my LTV if I don't know my numbers? So on and so on. Uh, that this game is about tenths of points, um, not whole numbers. Right? Like if I can get a ROAS up a tenth, if I can get my conversion up a tenth, I'll, I can be profitable. Um, yeah. So you know the, the the conversations over the last three years have changed immensely. It's not just about um, traffic anymore. It's what am I going to do with that traffic? And I know I'm probably jumping ahead on this conversation, but this is the challenge that I'm having now is it's no longer about, can I get traffic to my site? Cause I, 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 I can do that. Cause that just takes money, right? I, if I throw enough money at this thing, I can get as many people as I want to my site now to get them to buy and get them to come back and buy again, whole nether conversation, right? Absolutely. So um, this is something that comes up all the time, you know, with LTV as a calculation. I think it's unique yeah. to every business. How do you guys kind of quantify what your LTV is? Do you have it? What's your, you know, your secret magic formula? So you know, LTV today, like the 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 fundamentals for me, obviously, is how many repeat customers. And you know, I can get really granular and get down these rabbit holes. Um, but I I tend to look at average order value. I tend to look at the repeat. Um, when they're buying again, are they buying one, two, three? Um, you know, we have about 30% LTV, 30% uh, repeat, um, $100, and $120 uh, average order value based on time of year. And so it's not a very hard because our numbers are, are you know, anytime I'm working with a, a number of 100, it tends to be pretty easy to figure out your calculations. Mm -hmm. And, but, you know, that's 50 years of history. You know, I, I think one of the challenges that we're having is as we push into a new market, as we scale the company, you know, what's that going to do to LTV? You know, what, what I, I, I'm literally acquiring a brand new customer. I don't know if they're going to love me. I don't know that they're going to want a second half. You know, we always, 
we also run into a challenge where our hats are really good quality and they last a while. And so somebody doesn't need a second one in a month. You know, it's not supplements. You know, I, I wish my dad started a supplement company. I, I, this, you know, I, I might be interviewing you. Um, but anyways, LTV, I think is a very important part. I, I think the harder question is, is how do I increase my LTV? Mm-hmm. How do I increase my average order value um, much more than what it is you know, specifically? But yeah, you know, knowing your numbers, I think in this game, if you ever want to be profitable long-term, you better know your numbers. If you're struggling with scaling your sales, maybe Electric Eye can help. Our team has helped our clients generate millions of dollars in additional revenue through our unique brand scaling framework. You can learn more about our agency at electriceye.io. That's E-L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Y-E dot I-O. Mesa is the easy to use answer for automating the everyday challenges of running a Shopify store. Find more aha moments when you're spending less time in the weeds and can focus on the bigger picture. With automations, you have all the power of code without the learning curve. You can easily customize how Shopify and your apps work with one-click integrations. From auto-tagging orders to sending order details to a Shopify customer database, Mesa connects your data where it's needed most. To put it quite simply, Mesa is a better way to work. So find your peace of mind and kick up your feet with a simplified workload to manage the everyday stress of running your Shopify store. Search for Mesa, that's M-E-S-A, in the Shopify App Store and download the app today. Free plan available with a no-cost setup included. Our partner Rewind can protect your e-commerce store by automatically backing up your business-critical data. Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error, misbehaving apps, or collaborators gone bad. It's like having your very own magic undo button. Trusted by over 100,000 businesses, from side hustles to the biggest online retailers like Nix, Paul Mitchell, and Pampers. Best of all, visit rewind.com slash honest e-commerce to get your first month absolutely free. That's rewind.com slash honest e-commerce. Getting an online business off the ground isn't easy. So if you find yourself working late, tackling a to-do list that's a mile long with your fifth cup of coffee by your side, remember, great email doesn't have to be complicated. That's what Klaviyo is for. It's the email and SMS platform built to help e-commerce brands earn more money by creating genuine customer relationships. Once you set up your free Klaviyo account, you can start sending beautiful branded messages in minutes thanks to drag and drop design templates and built-in guidance. And with e-commerce specific recommendations and insights, you can keep growing your business as you go. Get started with a free account at klaviyo.com slash honest. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash H-O-N-E-S-T. Yeah, I mean, here's my quick spiel on LTV. So it, over at the agency, we've got three numbers we care about and it's conversion rate, lifetime value, and sessions. Um, well, average order value, but average order value lends itself to lifetime value. But anyway, so to increase your AOV, your average order value, it just comes down to bundles, cross sells, and upsells. Yeah. It's basically your offer at the end of the day. Yeah. So I've, you know, it's you know your product better than me, but it's like, you know, how do we get more in this cart? Is there something that it goes well with the hat purchase? Like I don't think people are gonna buy two hats at once, but maybe there's a care kit or a better box to keep it in, etc. Those are things I'm just kind of spitballing here. But you know, getting that AOV up on the first purchase and, and every other kind of substantial purchase that comes after it, that's gonna be how you, you kind of increase that LTV over the long run. Yeah, and I'll and I give you like, you know, I don't know who's all listening to this, but um, you know, one of the things like so a couple years ago, um 
you know, I'm, I'm hanging out with a lot of guys on the subscription side and, um, you know, they were willing to break even on the front and, and, you know, get the, or even lose money on the front for the subscription. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my clientele is a little bit older and like hitting them with an eight or a $14 charge a month. Like I already knew that was going to be a customer services nightmare and chargebacks and all that. I, I didn't feel that that was where we wanted to go in, in building a brand long term. But I took the concept and I applied it on the front end. And so I, I we sell two things, uh, rush my order, uh, $7.77 and lifetime refurb which is so interesting because our hats are already guaranteed for life, but because it's free, there's no value there. So we started charging 1177 for lifetime refurb and our take rates about 4% um, with about 98%, 99% margin on that. So, you know, you can do the math. It, it, it only increased our average order value by six, 7%, but it increased our margin considerably better, you know, much more than that. So yeah, but I can use your words back to you just now. You said it, this isn't a, this is a game of tenths. Yeah. So that was a huge win. Yeah. Game changing win. Right. And, and it's game changing to the bottom line, not so much the top line. And, but you know, as the saying goes, it's not how much you make, it's how much you keep. And so, so little tweaks like that, where I was like, "Eh, subscription, I don't, not feeling that, but how could that apply to my business? And what are the little tweaks I could make? And people are fascinate me. I'm not, not much of a shopper myself. People love to throw shit in their cart, right? Like <laughs> they want to add shit. And so like giving them the ability to like move to the front of the line with this order for seven, eight bucks, they're like, you know, can't, can't add it to the cart quick enough. So, you know, fi- but again, finding those old tents here and there uh, are game changers. Absolutely. And I think it's funny that, uh, you know, people love to sh- love to shop, like you said. Uh, and I don't know if you've gotten much into the rabbit hole of kind of uh, apps like Hotjar or, or any of those where you can kind of watch people interact with your website. The way people interact with your website, and this is anyone listening, not just you, Garth. Yeah, they're using it in a way you never thought possible or never even considered because it it's just so goofy how people interact with these things sometimes, and it's just because. We're so close to it, and like obviously myself, I'm broken. I've I all I do is look at e-commerce websites, like so I can figure out how to buy something on anything. So I'm like the worst person to to test. But for your average shopper, they the way they interact with stuff, things that they think should be buttons that aren't, or things that they should think should expand or won't, like it's it's wild to see. So you can find a lot of really cool insights in those things. Yeah, you know the one that always fascinates me is the rage click, right? Like that's yeah, the know? best. <laughs> oh, it's the best, right? Like in the funny, yeah. Like you're like, what? This guy is pissed, right? But then it's um, like, okay, why is he pissed? How can yeah. we solve this in the future yeah. so nobody else has this problem? Yeah, and it is funny because it's one of those areas that I haven't taken a lot of time to sit and watch. I, my attention spans like thirty seven seconds, and so it's really hard for me to watch somebody else surf around the internet. Um, but, uh, you know, I've seen enough examples of uh, rage clicking to go like, oh, we should probably make this a little bit more friendly. Um, you know, and it's also, I think, just as we become more and more mobile, that the majority of the sites today really just aren't, they didn't, they said they were mobile compatible, but weren't mobile first. Even our site, we built it three years ago. We weren't mobile first. We were mobile compatible. And there was a huge difference. And we're even entertaining. We're back to the website build, but we're entertaining a new site again because... You know, we built it on a damn tank just because it's on Shopify doesn't mean that the theme uh, is we didn't pick the best theme. And, and in turn, we're talking about building another site. So, absolutely. Um, going back to, uh, you know, you yourself kind of 
took on the role of interim digital marketer at your business to help get the e-commerce stuff off the ground. Um, how did you kind of tackle that? Because I'm, I'm assuming there's a lot of listeners out there that would love to hire someone smarter than them, but it's not in the cards just yet. So how did you kind of educate yourself and learn learn the ropes with kind of helping to bring real qualified traffic to your business? God, fire, uh, <laughs> hire fast and fire faster. Um, you know, we've probably gone through 20 agencies, you know, overall, and that's not, those aren't all paid agencies. Um, I think, I think that you're bringing in team members. One, they might be, um, smart, but are they compatible? Um, you know, I'm always crowdsourcing. And so, you know, if it's, uh, you know, I have a lot of friends in the space. And so I ask them all the time or I just watch what they do. Um, you know, I also have my right hand guy here is a crowdsourcer as well, but he does it through digital forms. And so we kind of complement each other. I don't get mine from written material. I get mine from verbal. Um, and so I'm always asking. I think that's the number one thing. Like, I think most people are just scared to ask, scared to talk, scared to admit fault or, or failure or, you know, we fail miserably. I mean, you know, I can't tell you how many times we've spent 10 grand on shit, nothing. Like, you know, we write that check and go, God, scrap it. That That is garbage. Like, get that thing out of here, you know, get it off my site or whatever, where, you know, I think back in the olden days, you know, 10 grand whoopses were we just didn't make them, you know, in, in, in print ad and, and wholesale, you know, B2B side of the business outside of maybe doing a trade show and failing, you, you're really, you don't have those catastrophic failures. You don't build a site three years later, you want to build another one. Like this is a huge amount of money in the game, but um, I think failing, uh, I think hiring, like I said, you, you're going to have to take a chance on somebody and you're going to have to clean house when it fails. Um, you know, yeah, I guess those are the two biggest ways to learn, but I'm also a curious kind of guy. I, I like to be intelligent. I like to be educated. And so I tend to, we're going to spend more this year on marketing than our gross sales three years ago. And so like, it, it was kind of common sense for me to say like, if I don't engage in this side of the business, you know, it could bankrupt us literally in a 90 day period. I mean, the amount of money flushing through the marketing department is so substantial that I don't know that you get to climb back out if you messed up for any period of time. 30 days, maybe you're fine. 90, you, you start getting uh, in some big cash flow issues. And so I, I knew right away that it's the amount of cash that I had to go through the marketing department to scale the way I wanted to scale that I needed to be involved. But I needed to be involved. I needed to know enough about marketing to engage in the conversation, but I needed to learn cash flow. I needed to learn lead times. I needed to learn global supply chain. I needed to learn logistics. Like all of a sudden, the 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 role of me changed in the sense I needed to add all of these tools, not just the marketing, because at scale, all of a sudden, I needed to be good at all these other areas I just mentioned. Uh, I mean, you you answered the question. My next question that I was going to ask. It's like so you wanted to be comfortable enough to be able to talk about it, but I'm assuming you are delegating a lot of this stuff off your plate, right? Oh, we have. You know, I, I just hired a CMO. I hired a director of growth. You know, we have multiple agencies we work with. You know, I got four SEO uh, partners. Um, so yeah, at this point, we're well connected in the community. Trying to then now I'm trying to hire internal 
Right. Um, so that's the, I mean, I, I'm literally, I was talking about hats I wear. I'm like a part-time recruiter. I'm literally like, I shouldn't even say part-time. I'm like half-time recruiter. Um, and you know, as we all know in this space, it's highly competitive now and everybody, you know, the, the, the demands, right. Everybody wants equity. I'm like, what? What? Um, so, you know, it's kind of comical, like 50 years and we're handed on equity. And I, mean, I don't know. Um, but, uh, it, it's, it's obvious to reach my goals. And I think that some of my mentors have, have helped me accept the reality that one, I can't be the smartest guy in the room. That that's a given now, you know, I'm, I'm not lacking intelligence. And so that hasn't been easy, you know, and this probably sounds egotistical, but it doesn't, it's not easy to hire somebody that's smarter than I am unless I'm willing to break the bank, but the company can't support that today. Right. So now it's like, how do I bridge the gap? I can't hire them for today because the budget doesn't support them today. I have to hire them for tomorrow and be willing to stomach the pain short term to get to that, to be able to afford them. And I think when you're a startup, that's a very hard equation unless somebody's Silicon Valley and then something like, you know, you know, PE money or something that's just handed out millions of dollars. Well, that's great. But everybody else doesn't know. That's not really their story. And so how do I bridge this gap and bring in this talent to get me to the next level when I really can't afford them? So American Hat Makers is the 50-year-old startup. Well, we laugh about and You know, I, I mean, I'd heard this for years, so I surely didn't create this line. But yeah, the overnight success, it just took 50 years. That, you know, we, you know, my dad had done a really, really, really good job to keep the lights on. Really good job, right? These lights didn't turn off for 50 years. Like, and so you have to like own that and commend that. Mm -hmm. But those weren't my goals. Like, I don't come here to keep the freaking lights on. The lights better be on because I want to reach these goals. And so now how do I do that? What, what would be the next step in the journey? And am I willing to risk? Am I willing to, um, you know, beg, bar and steal to get there? And I think that at the end of the day, I am. I'm, I'm you know, I have pretty big shoulders and I'm built for the pressures that it's going to take us to, to um, you know, grow at this rate. Let's talk about that real quick before we go. Uh, the, the, the stress of being an entrepreneur and, and running the show. Um, you know, uh, people like to talk about the glorious parts of being an entrepreneur, working for yourself, making your own hours. Yeah, usually making quite a bit of money. Uh, but you know, there's also the, the other side to it, the, the not so fun side. You have to you have to show up every day. You have mm. to pay bills when they're due. You have to make decisions that are hard. Yeah, not be an asshole. Yeah. Um, you know, people don't want to work for a bummer guy. And so you got to handle all of that and be present and loving and supportive. And, you know, uh, you know, empathy is not my strong suit, but you know, at the end of the day, I need some of that. Uh, so people want to be a part of the, the team. They want to be on the team. They, they, you know, they want, I want them to tell their friends to come be on the team. And, and I think, I think that's overestimated sometimes that culture really, really matters. Um, if you want to build something that's sustainable, and talent is the way you build it. And the only way you attract good talent is have somewhere that people want to come. And people can tell. They walk in the facility. They're like, you're, you're good or you're not. I mean, you know, you can't hide that. Energy is real. Um, you know, I'll, I'll just touch a little bit on the, you know... I mean, the, the struggle's real. You know, this isn't glamorous. I'm the last one to get paid. Um, you know, I, I've been... My hustle is is substantial. And so... You know, the hats themselves weren't enough. You know, I'm, I'm hungrier than that. You know, even though I'm over here 40, 50, 80 hours, uh, 
then I got my side hustles, man. I'm working nights and weekends on real estate and stuff. And so, you know, I've, I've been blessed with more skills than just to run this company, but that also has created more, you know, pressures and responsibility outside of here. Um, but I, I've been, I've been gifted or blessed that I, I've been willing to take those chances on my off hours to go out and get that side hustle that then has taken some pressures off the hat. The luxuries of having multiple streams of revenue have created a lot of flexibility for me and it taken the pressure off of cash flow to allow us to scale at this pace. And so what I can tell you is, is that you probably want to get a side hustle, especially early on to uh, accumulate some cash because you're going to need it if you want to scale. Uh, that's, that's some pretty good advice right there. Garth, is there anything that I didn't ask you about that you want to share with our audience today? Uh, just touch on family, man. I got a two-year-old. It's our third kid. And, um, you know, try, trying to do all of this and be present for, for my son. And, uh, and it's hard, man. I'm drained, man. I'm up at 3.30 or 4. And, and by the time the day ends, like, how, how do I then, you know, love him and, and be present for him? And, and so, I, you know, I just put a shout out that, like, I don't have it figured out. Uh, I surely don't have this thing whooped, but, uh, it's definitely, you know, I'm discussing it and having this opportunity to become a better father, um, because why are we doing this, uh, if it's not for that? So anyway, no, I think that's a uh, sage words, you know, saying, I think it's, uh, humbling that you, you can admit things like that. I don't have it figured out. And we've been doing this quite a long time. I think a lot of the listeners out there will, uh, you know, find, find themselves in that statement as well and, and be, you know, knowing that they're on that same path with you. Yeah. And if it's health and food and G, you know, uh, yeah, I got a Coke, you know, before the, for, before this, uh, interview and I haven't had breakfast, you know what I mean? Like, so anyway, you know, I don't have it figured out. I, I know I'm a super driven individual. And if I apply that to all my areas of life, then, uh, you know, I run out of time, but, uh, you know, I'm, again, I, I'm, you know, pressure is a privilege. And I'm very, very privileged. Absolutely. Now, if people are curious about the product that we've been talking about, where should they go? Uh, American Hatmakers, uh, AmericanHatmakers.com. Uh, we've got you know every uh, you can if you're watching, you can see some of the hats up on my wall that are samples or my personal collection. But you know everything from cowboy to top hat to sun hats, straw hats, fedoras, felt, all kinds of felt. So you know, very wide range. Uh, we you know price point, multiple price points. So we really have something for everyone. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Garth. Thanks, buddy. All right. I can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their knowledge and journey with us. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our own business. You can find all the links in the show notes. Make sure you head over to honestecommerce.co to check out all of the other amazing content that we have. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review. And obviously, if you're thinking about growing your business, check out our agency at electriceye.io. Until next time.